Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Two Dimes and a Token. Hey! There we you go. You already know what time it is. Yep, this uh, this podcast is actually based off of our YouTube channel, so if you get a chance, go check it out, hit that subscribe button. Yep. Uh, we also have a Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram that you can go check out all the latest, all the latest information and posts on our social media pages. So thank you so much for tuning in, and please enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Two Dimes and a Token. I'm one of your hosts, Brock Nasty. In this particular episode, we interview with a great friend of ours. His name is Eric Potoshny. He's the head football coach over at Weber International University. Um, in this episode, we got where he started his journey, where he started his football journey when he was a kid, going all the way up to where he first went to college over at USF and then transferred over to Weber International University where he played. Um, and he was part of the original first year players at Weber International. So um, it's actually a phenomenal story. They had 70, 70, I think he said 70 plus guys changing out of two garden sheds, basically ran an entire football program that we all see on television out of two garden sheds. So it's, it's a great journey that he's able to walk us through while also telling us what it's like transitioning from playing football to coaching football, what it's like coaching guys that he played with. Uh, the transitions going through the different spot coaches as far as linebackers coach all the way to defensive coordinator all the way up to being a head coach of an entire entire team so great episode for you guys um, the last thing I think we have for check-in yes is this is one of the last weeks that you are going to be able to go into the merchandise stores remember we're donating 100% of our profit over to the Tampa Bay Heart Walk. Uh, the event for the Heart Walk is happening in November, so we're hoping by the end of June we'll have a pretty good number and we can donate to really really help out and make a little bit of a difference. So um, I believe that is it, guys. So if still with me, if you haven't skipped over to the episode, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Two Dimes and a Token. We appreciate all the love. Make sure you guys go subscribe. And in the comment section of, of whether you're listening to it, or whether you're watching it, go into the comment section, write down your spice of the week. As usual, at the end of the episode, we wrap up with our spice of the week. That is designed so that you guys can, we get everybody to start looking at a little bit more positivity in their lives, right? Everybody has rough days. Some people have rough weeks, but we can always look at that one positive thing that helps lift us up a little bit. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. Go subscribe, hit the comments, all that fun stuff. And without further ado, here's Coach Pooch. Welcome back to another episode of Two Dimes in a Token. I'm one of your hosts, Brooke Nasty. We got Kanyezy. You know what time it is. Our token is not here today, unfortunately. He's still down south. But we have an amazing guest with us, Coach Pooch, a head coach of the Weber International University Warriors. Yes, yes. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you guys coming out. You already know. Setting up in our locker room. Yeah, dude. So. It's it's an awesome fit, actually. This turned out to be great. I'm glad yeah. you said our locker room. I yeah, remember man. a lot of dark days in here. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, this is our so locker room. So, we have real. our drink of the pod, unofficially mm. sponsored by Terramana Tequila. Not yet sponsored by Terramana Tequila. What are we drinking today, Coach? This is your choice. Well, I tell you, th this is something I've drank for a long time. This is going to about to change your life. Yeah. Right here, this is the original citrus full throttle. 
Oh, no, we, we listen. We couldn't even find this drink. I know you could. Yeah, That's why dude. I said good luck. When you <laughs> <asked you. laughs> Yo, right here. See. Uh, Cheers. We, we, Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Appreciate you, yep. man. So, hey, man, I haven't had a full throttle since I played here. I know. You know what? Everyone, I want y'all to know this tastes like shit. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. All right, man. So this, um, this burns on the way down. Man, yeah, this makes it good. It's like whiskey. So. um we want to get your story today a little bit, man. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up, what high school did you go to, what got you into football? Well, um, what got me into football, I started playing football when I was, shoot, eight years old. Little League football, Brandon Broncos is where I started. Um, so you I grew, were in Brandon? Brandon. I didn't know. Well, I played in Brandon. I didn't live there. Oh. So we, long story short, but my that's where my, my parents worked close to there. We went to school close to there. So it was just easier to go play there. Um, so did that, grew up in Tampa pretty much my whole life. I uh, went to Tampa Bay Tech High School and um, so graduated from there and uh, you know, ended up coming to Weber um, after a year at, at USF. I went there for, for a year and then I came to Weber when the program first started here. So that's how, you know, pretty much short story, you know, how I ended up at Weber to begin with. Nice. Yeah. I, was, I was always, always you know, fascinated by the mere fact that how did he got here because there's no way he was supposed to be here we had a couple of people that like fit in perfectly hey, which was one yet. of those don't be <laughs> don't be riding yet when you see all him right. and then you I see like you jimmy barfield like it's like okay i'm not saying jimmy was bad shout out to jimmy jimmy was like a, a little small guy we always know he's like mighty mouse mm -hmm. but i was like okay jimmy belongs here yeah, yeah. pooch no it didn't fit in at all i'm him. glad you brought up jimmy can i tell a story real quick absolutely so Who'd you get close to that microphone? Jimmy was a weak side safety, and we called a, a safety blitz. Yeah. So, and I, and I saw this vividly. There was a run play that went away from Jimmy, and he blitzes off the edge, and he is running and chasing. You see his feet just, just flipping. Yeah. Shoes flying off. One shoe goes this way. One shoe goes over here. And he just kept on running and still made the tackle. And then went back and picked the shoes up, came back to the huddle. He ran so fast, he ran <laughs> out of his shoes. That was Jimmy. That was Jimmy, man. I, he was just a, a down and dirty type player. Like, yeah. I, I, it was an honor to back him up. Normally, I'd be like, you know what? That's my spot. But he just left it all out on the field. Yeah. That's fantastic, dude. So what was the year that you officially got to college here? So I graduated high school in 2001 and went to USF that year. So 2001, 2002 was the first fall. So the fall of 2002 was the club season, four game schedule that started football here at Weber. That was the inaugural season. That was the official club season. Yeah. The official inaugural season wasn't until 2003. Gotcha. Okay. What was that like, man? What was the startup like? You had four games, and how many how many kids did you even have on the team? Uh, we probably had about seventy, I would say. Wow, something along there. Um, but they they call us the Shed Boys. Yeah, is what they <laughs> yeah. is shed what boys. the nickname is now. But it, truthfully, it comes from the fact that our locker room this was not here. Yeah, we changed every single day for practice before and after into garden sheds. And we would oh, we would hang shit. our stuff up on these hooks yeah. with our equipment, you know, with our shoulder pads and our helmets and all that, you know, take all of our pads out of our pants and put them on our little loops, click them together, and then we would drop them in the middle of the floor, you know, and then they would wash our clothes that way. Um, but that was literally where we changed that every day. And it was so hot. It was just miserable. You know, I look back and it's like, whew, 
Holy shit. What, what was that? Doing? <laughs> what was but, happening? You know, it's it was definitely a a humbling experience, learning experience. Yeah. You know, and and it gave so many kids an opportunity to to Keep stay playing. in state. Yeah. You know, and not to worry about going all over the place and uh you know, and um so but it was definitely a unique experience which has now led to obviously this, but uh it was it was uh eye opening to say the least. Yeah. yeah. So Weber basically sprung the Sun Conference kind of thing. The first team in it, then you had a bunch of other NAI yep. schools all around that started putting together programs years later mm-hmm. and kind of started well, I'll throw this out. Who won the first official Sun Conference championship? Oh, Weber did. That's there. I just want to yeah. make sure everyone knows that. <laughs> everyone to everyone else. So, <laughs> so um, now you're in this experience, man. Like, what's going through your head? You're you finished with four games. Mm-hmm. You've been changing in a shed. You don't you don't have what everyone else is experiencing. You don't have a right. full locker room. You don't have all the the best trainers. You don't have all the best equipment. You are just figuring out. Like, yep. you know, you start. What's going through your head? Are you like, dude? Or are you, do you have the ambition of like, no, we're going to see this through? Yeah, and I think that's pretty much how I approached it is, you know, you got an opportunity to to play the game that you love. You got an opportunity to, you know, to to continue to play with the, with the brothers that you've bonded with, you know, over that year, that year time. And I think that's kind of what, what, what kind of pulled everybody together there in the beginning. But, you know, at that time, it, it was just different. No, you're not thinking about, you know, all the extra things with, you know, stadium and what's my locker room look like? What kind of fancy things that I can get? It was it was more just kind of that hard hat mentality and, you know, all right, you know, we just finished these four games. Now we're about to get into the next season. Now we're officially about to start, you know, our college football season, you know, hit the summer and let's go work. Let's train yeah. and let's get ready to go. And it wasn't about all the extra fancy things at that point. I miss that mentality. Yeah. So now, what was what was your senior year here that you played? Oh six. Oh six. Okay. So I heard through the grapevine through some people that you set some records here <laughs> in two thousand and six. Do you do you recall any of this or? Yeah, there's a, there's a few records that still stand. <laughs> what are they? There's a few. Um, single season tackle record is the one that was set in two thousand six. Like one fifty or something. I like said one sixty seven with Nate. Was I right? My record? No, it was uh, 141 was the record. Okay. So with 10 games. 141? Yeah. Damn. So about 14 tackles a game. With yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. We interrupt this podcast to bring you Sunterra Solar Solutions, a leading edge solar company committed to making sure they provide a phenomenal experience to its customers. Going solar was one of the best decisions that I ever made. Not only did they provide me a no-hassle experience, it didn't feel like a sales experience. It felt like an amazing person-to-person having a conversation on whether solar was gonna be right for me. I was fortunate enough to not only lower my monthly energy cost, but they gave me an option to be able to create a stabilized monthly bill that I could prepare around. I qualified for a new customer incentive that put cash in my hand after installation, as well as I qualified for a tax credit at the end of that same year after I had it installed. All in all, not only was it the best decision I ever made, I lowered my monthly energy costs, I stabilized my bill, I put a ton of cash in hand, it felt like I got paid to go solar. And my most favorite part that I haven't even mentioned, it eliminated my exposure to future increasing rates from the utility companies. So if you think going solar is the right thing for you, by all means, hit us up in our DMs. We can connect you with a sales associate today. And now back to the episode. 
Wow. I don't that's think that's going to ever, you know, be touched. You know, Nate came through here. Grady came through. I don't think – no one's going to – you guys aren't going to have a 10-game season like that anyway. But nevertheless, yeah, that's never yeah. going to be touched. That's yeah. wild, man. That's a lot of tackles. I told you he was an animal out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what happens after that? You get done playing. Um, do you go off, play professionally, or do you dive right into coaching? Uh, so I kind of did a little bit of both. Um, so the first year – so graduated in 06 – I had already started my MBA to finish my last year of eligibility. Yeah. So continued on that path in the graduate program. And um, I joined the Lakeland Thunderbolts indoor team over there. So, you know, close proximity. It was, you know, 45 minutes to an hour drive. So I was actually able to kind of do both the first year where I was coaching, you know, helping out in the spring. And I'd have to leave a little bit early to get over and practice, you know, with the Thunderbolts. So I was kind of doing both at the same time in 2007. And uh, we had a really good year. We actually ended up winning a championship, you know, that year. So that was an awesome experience. And, um, you know, some of the players at that time, we even came over, watched some games and stuff too. So that was kind of cool. And, um, you know, which kind of led me into the, the next season. I played for two different teams the next year, uh, the first of which was the Huntington Heroes. And that's where actually I met Steve Speakman. Yeah. That's the reason that he ended up, you know, coming down here, coming the relationship there. And also, you know, Coach Keaton. Yeah. was the head coach at the time you know that's kind of how that whole relationship kind of stemmed and then um ended up fin finishing the season with the indoor team in florence south carolina and won the championship again wow so pretty so, pretty neat experience damn how many rings you got <laughs> i've got i've got two from there nice yep. he didn't win anything here don't get it twisted we, did, we, <laughs> we didn't do we didn't do anything mile marker not here. playing coaching not, though yeah, coaching, yeah. See, coaching. Is a little bit different playing yeah. is one of those things like hey baby we gonna we gonna run with it yeah. run with it ice and stem ice and stem we got to get yeah. there yeah it's a lot more difficult back then because let's be real when you're an in, when you're an independent it's very difficult what do you got to rank in the top 20 in order to get into the college playoffs yeah i mean scheduling then was was tough but yeah independent was a whole different animal you know and uh the travel the travel was brutal and the teams we had to play yeah. and you know the the competition you know we're playing some division one schools and and division two schools who are fully funded yeah you know and here we are little nei school and just giving them hell and see what we can do you know yeah i think um, uh 2000 what was it 2010 2011 we when we beat uh unc pembroke mm -hmm. what did we go that year we went like eight and four 2010 seven and three was it seven and three ish something yep. like that yeah so I remember that year. That was my senior year. Yeah, that was fantastic. So that must have felt great as a oh, coach. Yeah, yeah no, that was a huge win right there. I mean, against a you know a fully funded Division two program. Yeah, you know, we beat them in 2010. Yep, absolutely. That's fantastic, dude. Yep. So, um, so now after you play basically two years at let's say professional level or mm -hmm. arena level, right? Mm -hmm. um, what's do you just do two years or did you do more? I had an opportunity to go back in the spring of 2009 yeah and um it was actually kind of in between so when 07 i was with the thunderbolts still finishing my mba uh 2008 i had just finished my mba and and went to go pursue that in the west virginia and south carolina deal but i always came back in the fall and coached and but i was still part-time at that at that moment and come to this spring of 2009, I had an opportunity to go play for several different teams. You know, I looked at maybe even going overseas and, and kind of doing some things there, which I thought would have been a real neat experience. But then I got presented with the opportunity to start coaching full time. Yeah. Um, so basically the February of 2009, I just started to, you know, kind of hang my cleats up and or my 
you know, my shoes, so to speak, because you remember like cleats indoor. But uh, um, so, you know, decided to, you know, get into get into coaching full time. And, you know, that's amazing. And the rest is kind of history. What was the transition like going from being a player to being a coach? Because a lot of the guys that you were playing here with. Yeah. Did you end up coaching a lot of those guys? I did. I did end up coaching quite a few of them. Yeah. Um, and that was that was kind of it's it's a different deal, you know, because you know, you're on one side of it, you're in the locker room, you're working out, you're sweating, you're going to practice, you're going to meetings and everything with those guys. Yeah. And now all of a sudden that you're basically kind of in charge of them. Yeah. Um it it wasn't as hard for me for that side of it just because I was, you know, pretty much always you know, a leader on the team and a captain and those things anyway. So that part of it wasn't as hard of a transition as far as getting getting the players to to listen to what I was saying. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was harder personally because I, it wasn't, you know, I can't coach you and go, hey, out here and go do this, where before I could just go do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that part was a little eye-opening for me as I'm coaching guys to go do the things that I used to go do. Um, so, you know, that's where it kind of started to open my eyes to a different challenge. Yeah. Did you ever have an incident where you were having to coach a guy that you used to play with and it just wasn't meshing? Like it was really hard to get through to him that, Hey, now I'm here and you know, I'm trying to help you become a better player. You know, we're we're no longer teammates. Now I'm the guy that's helping you to get better. Did you ever have an individual instance where that was like difficult for you? No. and, And no, not really. And again, I think that was because. I was always kind of in a leadership role anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I did have a good playing career here. So I think the the respect was already there from a lot of those players where it's not like, you know, I was telling them to do something that I, that I didn't do or, you know, the conditioning side of it or the weightlifting side of it or things that, that I didn't do myself. Yeah. And, and even, even now today, like I don't, I don't ask kids to do something that I, that I have never done or I wouldn't have done myself. So from that perspective is I think there was already a natural respect level yeah. from from the players at that time. I'll tell you it was a little different. You know, he you really gravitated towards the shed boys more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. It was <laughs> that was just his group. Kyle Dix, all the rest of those yeah. guys were it it was just you couldn't take that group away from each other. Like no matter what you were seen as a leader, especially when I got in here, and then all of a sudden once the shed boys graduated it just ascended yeah. i was like i used to go to like the dolphins training camp see like zach thomas mm-hmm. see them practice against brian erlacher and then i see you out there and i'm like man he's just like these guys i wonder where his, your career is going to propel because yeah. i don't feel like zach thomas had anything that you didn't have mm-hmm. or brian erlacher was just that dog and you had that same dog in you yeah being here do you think it limited your access to going to the next level like going to the nfl did you ever dream about going there yeah of course i mean everybody you know if if you commit that much time to playing this game you 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 know you're going to dream about playing it professionally whether it's football or baseball basketball whatever so you have definitely had those those aspirations um i think then early on the program is if as far as how new it was how you know social media wasn't as prevalent you know um I, i do think that um it wasn't as good then as far as being able to get noticed as it is now, mm-hmm. you know, and then the connections and things that we've built, you know, through a lot of, you know, professional teams and, um, and just having our conference now in the state of Florida gives a lot more teams publicity. 
So it, it's definitely, it's not easy to make any NFL team, let's be honest. Um, but I think as far as the exposure portion is, is night and day what it used to be. You know, um, given the opportunity, yeah, I would have went on to try to play and, you know, and see what I could do. Um, but, you know, in those times, it's, you know, you, can, you were limited as far as, you know, how many people were watching you play or how many people even knew what the heck is Weber football. Yeah. You know? The best part is it picked that up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> hey, there we go. I that was Pooch Tim DeMarto, head athletic trainer. Yes, I think uh, Pooch has always been bald. Yeah. It's one of those yes. things. Like, that, that was, was a good thing about it. You never got helmet hair or nothing. Hat yeah. hair, you don't get any of that. Since he was four. I don't know anything about that. I've yeah. always had hair. You know, he always used to say, uh, you know, some people came in his locker room, they looked like Tarzan, but played like Jane. So, you know, Pooch always carried his helmet like he was Tarzan when he came into this this, this building. <laughs> like, And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to say transitioning. He's been riding the whole, the whole podcast. Going, going, going. <laughs> <laughs> no, but going transitioning from coaching to playing, the hardest thing is having people care about what you, the, the foundation that you laid down. Yeah. Like, it wasn't this way when you got here. You built everything. And to see it grow from where it was when you first got here to where it is right now, it's a sense of pride that comes along with it. Right. A lot of the alumni that we come together with have mm-hmm. the tattoo of the Warriors mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. You're carrying that pride. Do the kids now have pride in what they do here? It, it, it is different, you know, where we talked about, you, you talked about laying the foundation, you know, and you talked about the Shed Boys, how we were always a tighter group. You know, and I think it was just because we had a different relationship and and just because of, you know, what all transpired in that that short period of time actually brought us together. Um, But I I will say that, you know, it's it's hard to understand the progress and everything that this program has made if you weren't in it and watched it do that. And it's hard. I mean, if you know, we're, we're talking 20 plus years of football. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, we're asking young kids now who are, you know, crazed about social media and everything else to relate back to how it was 20 years ago, 30 years, 40. They they have no concept, you know, because the way it is now, they just they just see it for face value. Yeah. Um, So that is probably the toughest part about about coaching in general, whatever sport it is, is being able to relate to the new generation of kids. You know, and I've and I fought it for a long time, the whole Twitter battle with recruiting and everything else. And and finally, I had to just jump into it full stream because, you know, Twitter is such a huge recruiting tool for us. Um, So it it is completely different, you know, with with the type of kids it was, um, you know, before with what it is now. And I think social media has definitely played, you know, a huge part in that. Well, maybe 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 20 years ago we were just dumb. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and maybe maybe everybody's just smarter now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but it it's it's tough. You know, it's tough because um, as far there's only a, a small select group of kids that that you recruit or guys that come play for you, just have that hard hat mentality. I don't care what my uniform looks like. I don't care what symbol is on my cleats. I just want to go out to the fit and I just want to go play. I was going to ask you that. So you kind of dove into that a little bit. Do you find it more difficult to coach kids from 2010 
comparative to coaching kids in 2022 since we're going into the 2023 season. But what's the biggest change that you've had to make in your coaching style in order to be effective in coaching kids then and now? Yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. And I think that's something that we, we you struggle with it all the time. And I, and I do think that um, with kids nowadays, you know, they're more analytical, you know, where they process things in a different manner to where you almost have to present them with the why we do it and and the how we do it as opposed to just go do what I said. That's me just talking about Grady about that. Yeah, we were it's just different. in that conversation, man. We were literally talking about yep. him him being a teacher. We asked the same question basically, mm -hmm. but being a teacher instead of a football coach. Mm -hmm. And it was different styles call for different different students call for different styles, right? However, Back in the day, when I was told something on a football field, I didn't ask why. I Correct. just did it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or I did the best I could at it, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas now, it's like with all the social media, I think that brings about a lot more knowledge that kids soak up. So mm -hmm. I think kids coming up, maybe I'm going to use the word some of them can be a little bit more entitled, but I think a vast majority of them gain more knowledge faster than what we did when we Correct. were 10, 12, 15 years old. You know what I mean? Um, so like now it's like, you have to say why you're telling them to do this yeah. for them to really have passion and want to do it, which I, I, I was amazing that you pulled that up just because we just talked about it. Yeah. No, so. not only, uh, I wanted to say the, the pride that came along with it. The reason why I had pride, what I mean being here is because every year we had to do those one tens mm -hmm. in order to make the team. And you would see kids like dropping like flies, mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know, everyone thinks, okay, it's WIU is a small school. Anybody can play there. Okay, mm -hmm. come on the field with us. Mm -hmm. And then you do those one tens and you see people just oh, yeah. hang it up and they never pick it up again after that. Like, if mm -hmm. this is what I need to do in order to be here or, mm -hmm. or to play football, I won't do it again. Right. In this, now, this new generation where there is no two days, the heat is a, a factor. Mm -hmm. We've seen, you know, all the reports and all those things that, you know, say it's, it's bad for us. Do you still have the same threshold? Do they still start this, the season out with those one tens and see the separate man amongst boys? Do you still do that? We we don't do that part of it. We do we do um, we call it tour duty, okay. Um, where we have the different stations, that everybody kind of goes through. Um, so it's more kind of drill specific. Where we still have that same, you know, try to push that same mentality on having to finish and and but we do it more in groups. And so that's like kind of where I felt with the with the one tens part was. It's more individual, you know, where if we're trying to promote team, 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 play together, you know, that part of it, I don't think it was really as re as relevant, you know. Um, I think it was a good test as far as are you in shape, yeah, you know, but as far as how do you, you know, the, the main objective, we play with 11 people, right? We're not out there running. It's not a track meet, you know, it's not tennis, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a team. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of promotes a little bit more of that you know, uh, that team atmosphere and, and kind of pulling together. So we do same, same concept, but we just kind of go around, go about things a little bit different, you know, from that side of it. Um, but as far as, you know, being able to, to push kids and, and, and that things, we, we do some different things. Uh, for instance, like all of our home games, we play at one thirty. you know, we don't have lights on the field, so we have to play during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, so coincidentally, uh, we practice at one thirty on Wednesdays. Yeah. So that's and that's what I preached to our kids. This is our advantage for our home game. How many of the teams 
do you think practice at 1.30 in the afternoon? They don't. None. They don't. So that's our advantage. That's how we get advantage on game day because we play at 1.30, we practice at 1.30. So, you know, try to get them understanding. Listen, we're just going to live in this heat. You know, you can't let it affect you mentally. Yeah. You got to block it out. Let them worry about it because we're used to this. We do it every week. So we do different things like that just to challenge them mentally outside of the, you know, the, the 2000s football team where, you know, just go do it because I said so. This is why we practice at 130. Yeah. Right? We have to tell them the why. I mean, same thing with my 10-year-old son. We'll go do this. Why? Well, first of all, it's because I said so. Yeah. Second of all, well, you got to do it because this, this, and this. Yeah. You know? So. I got you. You know, I think it's it's a lot of the same concepts, but you just kind of have to. No, I'm mad you, yeah, got yeah, I'm, I'm you guys got rid of it. That was, that for me, every year, we put, we the whole summer, I stayed here throughout listen, the summer. To listen, your boy prepare for that. all four of them, baby. <laughs> yeah. I never failed one. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> ah, it might have took him two weeks, but he got him done. Yeah. Yeah. You mean, what was it? What was Fuck it? Like that. cheaters? I did it. Yeah. Was it cheaters, lions, and yeah. like no, 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 that's something yeah. else? We interrupt this episode to bring you Joe's Backyard Barbecue, a delicious, amazing, gourmet-type backyard barbecue meal with the most amazing service and the most amazing person that you can have at the helm cooking those amazing ribs, the amazing brisket, and all the wonderful spices and barbecue sauce that you can imagine. So if you're in the Lake Worth, Florida area, make sure you go and see your boy Joe at Joe's Backyard Barbecue. And now back to the episode. So you've transitioned, you've been here since the start, and you've played every single role that you can in this program besides offensive coaching, pretty much, right? So what was the biggest transition? Because you were a defensive coordinator for how long? How many years? Uh, from 2011 up until this year. Yeah. So you've now been the head coach for... I mean, you were interim, so it would be two years, right? Yeah, so officially, I mean, it'd be going on to, uh, let's see. Yeah, interim before, so I guess it would be my second season yeah, second as the season. official head coach. What was the biggest transition that you had to make personally going from defensive coordinator to now head coach? Well, it's funny that you say that because I've actually had this talk with, with our coaching staff and and um, quite a bit. So – you know, to be honest, for there for, you know, a lot of years, we weren't, we weren't very good on offense. So I had to train our defensive guys to understand that if we give up more than 14 points, we're going to lose. Yeah. You know, so basically I made it, well, we made it a point to make our defensive guys the biggest pricks that they could be. Yeah. And if it's going to be like that on Saturdays, then we're going to practice it all week. And we're not going to give the offense anything all week long. Because we had to get him to understand that mentality. Now, on the flip side of it, when I became the head coach, I knew now I was in charge of the whole program, not just the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So that had to change. Um, but I also knew that I brought an offensive coordinator that I was confident in that that could get the job done. And now we've you know hired another one too, and I'm confident in him as well. Um, you with DJ? Nope. No, Jason Robinson is a new offensive coordinator. Gotcha. Okay, man. I thought DJ was doing a great job. Us. He was. He was. Um, but he decided to get out and kind of go a different route and with his career stuff and something that's a little bit more flexible with family and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's tough during the season. You're 80, 90 hours a week, bro. I mean, it's yeah. it ain't for the faint of heart. I was going to say, dude, when I was a GA, I mean, I was 
here. I was in this locker room doing shit for probably 15 to 16 hours yeah. a day. Yeah. Between when the players aren't even here, then you're out at practice, then you're fixing shit after practice, oh, yeah. cleaning shit up, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Not to mention you sit down with figuring out game plans, figuring out coaching strategies, all that stuff. It's yeah. a lot of shit. So head coaching role bridged also because I was still running the defense at the time. Yeah. But now I kind of had to take a step back and, and the way I had trained these guys to practice, I had to un try to undo a lot of those things because truthfully, that's not the way you were supposed to prepare throughout the week. It is if you can't score any points. Yeah. But now that we've we finally started to establish some things and we could score, I had to kind of pull back on some of the defensive guys who we basically trained to be killers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and get them to understand this is the new way we practice. Yeah. You know, it's not, hey, go kill somebody every day. It's no, we got to get him to Saturday because we need him on Saturday. I need you to do this throughout the week to get yourself ready. Where before when I was just a defensive coordinator, it didn't matter what they did on Saturday anyway. I knew we couldn't score any points. So I had to train these guys to be yeah. to have that mentality every day. So that was a little bit of a challenge, to be 100% honest. That was the hardest thing about going from defensive coordinator, coaching position, now in charge of everything. And I had to basically scale back the defense a little bit and pull those guys back because we were trying to catch the offense up to yeah. – you know, where the defensive was, because there was, you know, years that we had, you know, we were top five, top 10 in the country in, in a lot of categories defensively. And, you know, we were trying to get the offense to that to that point as well. And, um, you know, once once you're in charge of both sides, in charge of the whole program, you know, it's it changes your mentality quite a bit. Yeah. You know, as far as, you know, the things that you have to uh, have to get done. Yeah. So well, last season, what was your overall record? Uh, last year, we were six and four. And then we won a exhibition game, whatever, to unofficially finish seven and four. Unofficially, so um, coming up for twenty twenty three season. Yep. Right. What do you feel the season's going to look like for Weber International? Well, I mean, I'll tell you this: we've we've kind of gone through you know quite a bit of things. I think we've got some decent kids coming back. Mm -hmm. I think we graduated quite a few guys. Yeah. We some of those guys that I was talking about that kind of helped with the transition from old defensive regime to getting them to understand. We we lost some of those kids too, you know, guys that have been with me for the last five years. If you consider COVID years and everything else, yeah. So we have some spots to fill in the secondary. I think our box is going to be pretty solid on defense. Um, offensively, we graduated a you know a few offensive linemen. Graduated a quarterback. Um, you know, graduated a couple of receivers that could really stretch the field for us. Um, but I do think we have some good guys coming in. Mm -hmm. I think we've hired some good coaches, and um, I think we've hired some guys that that can really push push our our guys that we have coming in. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we have some a few decent transfers coming in that can help us along with you know some of our our freshman class. And um, so it's to be honest with you, it's going to be real interesting to see. Because we do have a decent group of guys coming back. We've signed a, a decent group of freshman kids. We've got kind of some transfers in it. So truthfully, it's going to depend on how fast we can gel them together. Yeah. You know, because we're, we're definitely going to have competition at every position. And that's, that's all you can ask for, right? Go compete, see what's going to happen. But we're, we're still looking for a couple guys in the secondary 
Yeah. Um, and then probably one more offensive tackle. And I mean, I will say that, you know, we're just in the beginning of June, you know, and we need probably three to four varsity guys where in the past we were like, probably need 15 still at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're getting better from that side. We've got, you know, a few different things um, that have changed for the better uh, as far as, um, you know, scholarships and recruiting budgets. Yeah. Which have really helped us, and um, you know, administrative wise, have been you know fully supportive of some of those changes, which help us get some difference makers. And um, so, and that you know, we pretty much got three things that we need to that we need to kind of tackle as far as you know how to really get our program where we need it to be. Yeah. Um, and those three things are facilities, which we're making some progress there. We have some plans and things for making our field better. You know, recruit better players. And I think some of those scholarship structure stuff that we have in place are letting us do that. And then, you know, get better coaches. So we've got some things in, in plan there as far as how we can try to pay our coaches a little bit more. Um, and I think that'll be the kind of the last key piece as far as out of those three steps. Do you think this is going to be a little bit of a tough one for you, brother? I know you're not going to want to answer this all the way. Do you I don't ever even like get... the way you started that off? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get into a situation where you're pushing to make this program better? And we all know when you're passionate about something, whether it be football, whether it be a personal project, whether it be a job that you're creating, a business you're building, you're going to push to the fullest. You're going 100 and 110 miles an hour to try and make this thing the biggest it can be, right? Do you ever feel like you run into blockades having to deal with people above you? Say like, yeah. uh, what athletic director? Say like president of the university. Do you ever run into those types of hiccups, and how do you deal with those things? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we all I understand that it's not going to. Nothing is immediate. Yeah, everything takes time. Everything takes money. You know, and there's there's a lot of steps to trying to to build anything that's worth having. Takes freaking time. Um, so we kind of understand now what I try to do is I try to tackle it with, with smaller obtainable projects, goals, whatever, ha what have you, you know, with, you know, a bigger one kind of on top of it. Um, but I think the school is, is wants to see the program succeed, you know, administrative wise and everything. I think, um, you know, our athletic director, Brad is, is fully behind everything that we're trying to do and, um, understands that. Uh, you know, a lot of the different facets and pieces as far as how we're trying to put everything together is, is very supportive of that. And um, it's, it is tough because, you know, with that, you want things to be immediate, never happens. Yeah. So you got to try to figure out how to kind of build a lot of these small things in together to making big goals. Um, but I think we are making a lot of progress. You know, um, we're short, you know, some money for some different projects. You know, which instead of being able to do it in a year, sometimes takes three years, which can, can be pretty frustrating, you know, at times. Um, but I've, I haven't really been, I don't really ask for things that are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we try to get things done that we really need or thing, you know, from, from recruiting or from an you know, organizational standpoint or for the coaches or for the kids or, you know, we don't ask for anything that's completely ridiculous yeah um so we try to have you know smaller obtainable goals you know and things with a little bit um you know keeping budgets in mind and all those things uh so i think i've had to, to
to change my mindset on a lot of things as far as, hey, we need to get this done next year. Well, this is kind of a three-year plan, you know, on how to get some of those things done. So they are supportive, you know, to an extent, but we also, we're very conscious of our budgets and the things that we can do. Um, so I think, you know, the support is there. Um, you know, obviously if we had more financial support, yeah. that would make everything a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but I think we are moving in the right direction on a lot of those different things that we just talked yeah. about. So what happens if you bring a national championship to Weber International? Do those budgets get bigger? Well, we'll see. I mean, let's try to win a conference championship first, <laughs> then we'll get the rest of them. But uh, I, no, I, I like we win one, then just trying to, trying, to go run another, trying to go win another one, you know? Well, there I, you go. I, I look at it, you know, this is for the future recruits that are looking at this and they're saying, you know, weighing the option whether they want to come here or not. Yeah. Uh, this is a real, you know, gut punch uh, question to ask you. Yeah. What makes this a season, a successful season for you? Is it, you know, we had some horrible seasons where I yep. feel like, it was successful as far as camaraderie. It just took us too long to yeah. get gelling together. What's going to make this season that two two thousand twenty three a successful season for you? Mm -hmm. Well, I've you know kind of like with everything else, I look at it as as building blocks for the future, right? So kind of taking taking a step back. When I was the interim head coach, we won two games, mm -hmm. right? But we we beat a nationally ranked Faulkner, who was ranked top 15 at the time. Nobody that ever thought we were going to do that. But our kids just, they just played, you know, and we didn't do that to the end of the season. Yeah. You know, we blew out Warner 72 to 28. You know, we, we battled Georgetown, who was a top 10 team at the time, you know, up until three minutes left to go in the game. And there was a lot of those games in that season. Um, and then we get to, you know, last year, my, my first season as the official head coach, um, you know, we, we, we broke a, a bunch of records, in to, especially towards the beginning. Yeah. You know, as far as how many games are winning in a row. And, I mean, there's, just, there's, a, there's, there's a ton of them. So, you know, and then we, we were close. We were, what, five and two. If we could have won a couple games, you know, then we had a chance to get in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So a lot of things. So this year for me is, you know, first step is bring our team together, teach them how to – compete you know with 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 the teams in our conference and the measuring stick is going to be kaiser st thomas southeastern ave maria is a tough program too um you know then you still have warner flomo and we just added thomas university so our our conference is is freaking tough yeah you know our conference is tough uh so the measuring stick for me is you know we want to be able to compete to win a conference championship you know and 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 teach our guys what that feels like yeah. you know to be in contention last year we were in contention for it but ment we were we were on the field and we were in contention but mentally our kids were not if that makes any sense they wanted it so bad that as soon as a few things started to kind of go they didn't know how to respond so i think the challenge for for us and for our team is we are young when it comes to a winning mentality you know because that's something we haven't i mean we haven't hardly won any games in in 10 years up until really this point of last year so now that started to kind of change their mentality already now it's that's the expectation now yeah you know that's the new norm so now we take that and we try to bridge it to now get them to understand how to compete 
for our conference championship. I feel you on that. So, um, I've been, I wanted to ask you this, but what do you feel like, obviously we talked a little bit about Weber and where you want the program to go and stuff, but what do you feel is, should be the number one goal of a coach? And you'll, I know if you ask 10 different coaches, you'll get 10 different answers, yeah. right? But I've heard a lot recently, especially doing a lot of uh, sports podcasts, sitting with guys, like we sat with a lot of trainers, former players, um, you know, talking with Sal up in Buffalo. Um, a lot of the things that you'll hear is like, hey, my job is not always connected to wins and losses. My job is to make the men or women, depending on who you're coaching, when they come into this program and when they leave, just a little bit better and yeah. prepared for the next step. You know, so what would you say is, a, a, in your opinion, a coach's should be a coach's number one goal when it comes to coaching and athletics? I agree with that. I mean, of course, you're in you're in athletics because you know you you want to make a difference in young people's lives, and that's college sports, college athletics, high school, you know, youth, whatever. You're using the athletic portion, you know, kind of as that that tool, basically. So the adversity that you deal with when you play any sport, okay? And obviously, we're, I'm a football coach, so we talk about football. But the adversity that you deal with throughout the, the course of a, a, a season, a practice, a game, any of those things translate to later on in life. You know, and, it, and I talk to our guys about that all the time. You know, the adversity and how you deal with every situation is, is going to be directly you know, influential and you can relate to that later on in life. So if, you know, if, if something bad happens and you lose your job, there's some adversity. How are you going to respond? Are you going to lay down and quit? Are you, you going to get up and fight and you're going to get up and go, go find another one, find a way to make some money. Are you going, you know, if you're, if you're down at halftime, you know, you're down 14 points, same thing. You just lost your job. We're down 14 points. You're going to lay down and quit. Are you going to come back out and play the last 30 minutes of the game and see how? So I think it's all relative. You know, at the end of the, end of the day, you, you want young people, when they come into your program, to leave better than when you got them. And I think if they get nothing else from what you try to teach them is how to battle through adversity. Because you know on a daily basis how many bad things you know, happen on a weekly basis, whatever the case may be. If you can teach them how to deal with that and how to cope with that and not only just shut down, not shut down, but how to respond. To me, that's that's the main thing that I think college athletics can teach young people is how to deal with adversity. That's awesome. That's me, awesome. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back just for one second. Um, you know, when you said going from the defensive coordinator to the head coach, mm -hmm. uh, my last year playing here, you know, we played versus Savannah State and a couple of teams. We beat them, but we beat them. The notion behind that was I didn't want to kill my teammates. And back when you were, you know, just getting into the groove of things, we were practice how you play, mm -hmm. practice how you play, practice how you play. Yeah. But you can't take out your teammates. Right. I had that notion as a player, like, man, I've been playing with this guy for four years. I don't want to cut them low. I don't want to flip them. Mm -hmm. And coaches be like, man, you, you, you're not giving us what we want because we want to see you kill that guy. You can't let up in practice and mm -hmm. then we think you're going to execute in the game. It's just not that way. Yeah. Now you have the mentality that I had like my senior year where you can't be, you can 
let up. You don't want to kill that player because we need that player on on Saturday. We need Atwood. We need these guys, Rupert, and so on and so forth. As much as you want him, knock yeah. those guys out. You still know I need those guys. And the disappointment that comes from the coaches, like you just don't have that dog in you. It's like, man, I got that dog, but you don't want to hurt your players. Now in this day and age, you grasp that concept that I don't. I don't want to hurt my players. I yeah. want to. I want them to play on on Saturday. How do you keep them to let? I mean, how do you make them let go to throttle mm-hmm. instead of just going? You know, training killers. How do you stop them from doing that control wise? Yeah, but still be able to turn it on. Yeah, but still be able to turn it on right. on Saturday. But that's a good point, and um, you know, and that's that is hard to get your players to understand. You know, um, but the first thing I'll tell you is, you know, you you try to simulate a lot of those things and drill work, but it's never going to be the same as doing it in a live situation, you know? So you try to simulate some of those things, doing individual stuff and, uh, you know, and working some of the position specific drills and whatnot. Uh, but then we, we actually practice with three different tempos. Um, so the three, three tempos that we use, we use basically a whiz tempo, um, where you see, you know, guys just trying to get in position, you know, defensive guys trying to work on getting their body in position to tag off on the hips of the offensive guy. Um, you know, and offensive guys working on finishing runs, go score, you know, every play. So we, we use that tempo, and that's done a lot like in seven-on-seven, seven, you know, and things like that where you're not trying to have to go kill people. You're just trying to work on positions, um, you know, as far as your body movement. So that's the first one we use. Then we use a thud tempo where everything is staying up top, but it's full contact, everything up top, no going low. So it's basically full speed as long as everything is is up top of nothing, no cut blocks, no low tackles, nothing. Um, and then the other tempo, which we'll use, you know, minimally, you might use it two to three times during camp. And now we're full go, full everything. I mean, we're talking cut blocks, low tackles, everything. Um, so I think you do it there, there's time and a place to do all those things and it has to be communicated between everybody. And, and I literally stop every single team drill before we start and say, this is the tempo of the drill. So that way you eliminate any of the gray area and get guys to understand this is the point of what we're doing right now. And we talk about, cause we have meetings before we go you know, out to the field. Um, so for those things there, there is a time and place for them. But it's only when during those specific times. It's not going to be an everyday, all-day thing. So we identify those drills and we practice in those three tempos. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So I love the I love the football conversation, man. It's good. It's kind of gets good to get back into it. We've been talking about a lot of different shit lately. <laughs> and to me, I, I, and this is just the last thing about football. I feel like football players are the gladiators of this generation. Mm-hmm. We are the warriors. We are, and I, I love the mere fact that we are the warriors. Um, creating gladiators, men amongst men, you know, that set themselves apart from everyone else. You have that. When will you walk away from this? Like, at what point is I've done what I needed to do. I'm good with doing, you know, just selling off and doing something completely different. Is there a, a part of you that will ever just say, I did enough, I'm good? Will the fire ever go out? That is a great question. And, you know, and I have kind of contemplated that in my mind as far as, you know, what would be, what's the next thing for me? Like, what would I do next? And 
I haven't come up with an answer yet. <laughs> so we all seen the other guy that that used to run this organization. That's because yeah. the fire's right there still. He's still yeah. hot, but the other guy that good. used to run this thing, he just you didn't hear anything. Yeah. He just walked off like a a, a gladiator of such. <laughs> Dropped this such, yeah. and he just disappeared. And I I always wondered yeah. what made him just say, "Okay, I, I've yeah. done enough." Well, I mean, I think for me, it's my job here from my vision for this program is 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 far from over and i think i've always looked at weber and the program here as so much potential and i felt like we never even hardly scratched the surface of what we could accomplish and i think that's what kind of motivates me to keep going you know as well as we talked about the shed boys and i feel like i've i've you know every single person that has come through this program you know even if i haven't coached them directly you know, I've, I've, I've built some type of relationship with them. So I've, you know, kind of been attached to every single person that has kind of come through this program. And I feel like for so many years that we've always just underachieved, you know. So I feel like for me, there, there is so much potential here. And, you know, I feel like being here for so long, I feel like I owe it to everybody that's come through this program to make this program successful. So then, you know, you want to come back and watch a game on Saturdays. You know, you, you want to bring your kids back to watch a game. You can say, hey, I played here. Look what it is now. So everybody can feel a little bit more of that pride, which was kind of lost for a long time. That was actually a great point because um, when we came back for the dinner, it was like two years ago, mm-hmm. right? So two years ago, we came back for the alumni dinner. It was the first, like, one yeah. that was thrown and you got a lot of the players back together and you walk out, you see the field, yeah. you walk in the locker room, see different things that were, and it wasn't even what it is now, yep. but it's like, it, it, it gives you a whole, like a big sense of pride. Like right here, you're like, fuck, I was a part of this. Correct. That's, that's, that was a pretty cool feeling that night, being able to walk around and show Ash and stuff like that. And yeah. whenever we show up here, especially on the games and like Avery and Ryder, Mikey, and they're all, it's, that kind of pisses me off, I'll be honest. Cause you see my, I'm like really interested in showing my eight year old, like, look at that field. Like I was a part of this. Right. And he's like, I don't give a shit. But I'll be like standing at the end zone. Like, damn, this is cool. Right. My kid's like, I don't give a fuck. So I just, just a, no, no question, but a comment on that. That's you're right. A hundred percent. You get a lot of pride when you put in a shit ton of work, you may not see the immediate results, but you even go 10 years after the fact when we already left and we drove up here. And the first time I saw that field, I was like, fuck. Like, we did it. I didn't have any immediate hands. I didn't build it. I didn't do anything. But all of a sudden, it felt like, right. damn, I was a part of this. I lost those games. I don't give a damn what you I lost those games. I mean, I mean. Wait, wait, wait. No, now we're going to throw it out there. So we were actually talking about it. So do you remember when we went and played the Citadel? Uh, the first time we went and played the Citadel, we got, what, like 150 grand <laughs> to go over there and get our asses beat? And, dude, fuck. Uh, um, Who's the receiver? Went Andre to the Cardinals. Roberts. Andre Roberts, thank you. Gets drafted in the third round of, of the NFL draft that mm-hmm. year, right? And he had he had a four-minute highlight tape on ESPN during the draft day. And I'm pretty sure three and a half minutes of it was Weber, right? <laughs> <laughs> we were down, we went down like 28-nothing in the first yeah. three and a half minutes. That was right. And the funniest part of that is the last clip of his highlight tape. You can see Keon, number nine, in the back. Getting bombed. He's pulling his flag. Oh. <laughs> look, 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 look. 
<laughs> I'm gonna say this again. Hey, VA, you know we ran, we were famous for cover three. Mm-hmm. You know I got hooked to curl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I got, I got hooked. hooked, curl. I got hooked. <laughs> he got a corner route, but that's the problem. It's supposed to be curl to flat. Curl to flat. It's, it's, <laughs> either that's way, I'm, you know, it's, it's, I'm ten years old. I got Bob. So, VA. Uh-huh. He has deep thirds. Uh-huh. It's a corner route. Uh-huh. It's a hitch corner. Everybody's seen that play a million times. I see the hitch and I see the corner. He sat on the hitch and you he shot sat on the hitch. <laughs> and, I, and I'm over here like, where the hell are you supposed to be at? And I run towards the corner and I just get there in time for Andre Roberts to do a celebration in my was, face. Well, was, ask bro, how many times were you on ESPN, bro? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I was on ESPN. Well, <laughs> I was on ESPN once actually. Because they had, they had a defensive end that was actually pretty good that year, too. Oh, see, he got it, too. Now, here's the thing, though. You remember, because I was a freshman. I was a true freshman. And I came in. It was like the second or third game that season, something mm-hmm. like that. Damian Senor. So he comes out the game after the first drive. And you remember, we had Corey as our quarterback, right? Uh-huh. And I remember he dropped back on third down. It was like third and ten. No separation from any receiver. Nothing. And he just he's like, fuck this. And he just dropped. Because he had three guys, right? And he, Big D, we called him. Big D comes off the field, and he was like, hey, bro. Yeah, I'm out. I said, bro, we were already down 28 nothing. We had one offensive drive. <laughs> and he was like, it's about that time, big guy. So I played the entire game besides the first drive <laughs> as a true freshman. And I actually, remember we had Coach Spiva at that time. Mm. He graded me at a C+. I felt good with that grade. I felt like he was generous. Yeah, he was definitely generous. Definitely <laughs> Listen, nobody should got it. I had two pancakes <laughs> oh, that game, and they were both on the same play because I actually went and hit the wrong guy, and I tripped the other guy with my feet. Uh, that's Eat a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds horrible, bro. That sounds, that's I, fantastic. I, I want to tell you, going here for four years, I felt like we had spectacular talent, like some guys that were just amazing. But we had poor coaching. Mm-hmm. And coming back last year and seeing you guys out there, I felt like we had real pride in, in putting our players in the right position. Right. They just didn't perform. There was a lot more passion from the sideline than usual. Then you, I mean, you don't get it twisted. Like, we played very shorter. And they ran goal line mm-hmm. the entire game. And we're still in the 3-3 stack. Yep. And I'm like, when are we going to transition to prepare our, our gladiators to win mm-hmm. we weren't set up to win a lot of those games were, we were already losing before we even played yeah so this now when i see this team now i'm excited to come on saturday because i seen us prepare for the team we just have to show up yeah that's that to me is better than anything else if mikey said he wanted to come and play at my alumni yeah. i'm okay with that just because he's going to be put in a position to perform you just got to show up yeah now it's, it feels a whole lot better. Whereas though before I was like I can I can ride the pine baby. They're yeah. gonna ride. They're yeah. gonna do nine people, <laughs> linemen against six yeah. DBs. So you were part of the coaching staff at that point. Why didn't you guys say anything? Like you know this wasn't a good. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna bash him right dead. now. You I'm gonna bash. Remember he was he was riding you the whole like yeah. first thirty minutes. Like hey man, you were the greatest. Oh he hey, was a, a phenomenal player. What the f? <laughs> yeah, like, what the, I, I, I always wanted to ask Pooch this. Like yeah, you were a part of this. You have a say so. We don't have a say so. Players back in the day, do as I say. Now if you got a suggestion, yeah, <laughs> we got a suggestion box for you. I'm gonna throw it in the trash. Yeah. Now you were a part of that. Well. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I've learned a lot, 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 lot. And I still learn every single day, you know, as far as coaching, you know. And, um, you know, from early on, 
you know, to me, it was it was very vanilla as far as um, other positions. Like I could coach the hell out of some linebackers because I knew because that's what I played and I understood how all the pieces went together. Um, but as far as like schemes and stuff like that, you know, coming in and and just starting coaching, it's 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 tough. It's tough and be able to tweak things based off of, you know, what certain teams do and, and this, that, whatever. Um, but to be honest with you, man, uh, you know, a, a lot of those decisions were above my pay grade. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Uh, but now they're not. <laughs> <laughs> but now they're not. That's why I'm saying it's a, it's a good transition. I, yeah. And I wanted to let you know I, I take pride in watching that because before it was hard. Like on yeah. the sideline, you'd be like, man. We're not setting ourselves up to win. We get the game film, and I'm like, okay, these guys yeah. don't – they just run the ball. They're yeah. not a good passer. I think Shorter had one wide receiver with one arm, and it, he obviously wasn't getting the ball. He did, actually. He had one arm. He had one arm, and we he, still – He caught a pass for 30 yards. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Don't tell anybody that. But nevertheless, so, yeah. But that was the only pass they, well, they I had. Would, I will say this, man. I think – and just from watching it and from uh, evolution of the game, too, I think you also, like – those are called growing pains. Like yeah. and you just said it earlier yourself, you go through this whole process and realistically, like you, you had, you had coaches at your disposal that, you know, you've been working with for a short period of time. So not all the expertise is sitting in the same room all the time. Now all of a sudden this happens. You're like, okay, now I know never to do this again. Then yeah. you get to the next year and now I know not to do that again. Now I know not to do that. Now all of a sudden we're here and you're culminating, you know, 20 years of Weber football now. And now all of a sudden, like the coaching staff, in my opinion, is always improving, just like our ability to recruit, just like the talent we're bringing in, right? Just like the facilities, like every step of the way, like you see the progress. That's that's something I think when you ask that question, I looked at it always as like it's a growing pain. We got our ass beat, but we know for a fact if we're li- if we're lined up seven, we're not we're not going to run a three three stack. You know, we're going to. We're going to game plan. We're going to figure some things out, make adjustments, those types of things. But I think it reflects in the overall program based upon now. You come to a game on Saturday, and I'm, I'm not saying this just because I'm prejudiced. I'm saying this because I've seen it. Now you come on a Saturday, we compete. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes of the nine or ten games that we'd schedule 10, 15 years ago, I mean – it didn't feel that way. Correct. So, sometimes it felt like we're just walking into an ass beating. Right. And we all knew it kind of thing, you know. But now it's like, holy shit, we've learned a lot. We're putting together, when we come out on Saturdays, like, this is a great program. There's pride on the sideline. There's tons of enthusiasm. You have kids that are passionate about it. You have coaches getting just as hype as, as players. And they compete. And you don't really know. Like, you're going in with the confidence to say, I think Weber's going to take this one. Yeah. You know. So that's that's how I would have, that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot of things, and and that really that's all you want at the end of the day is for your players to go into a game and have confidence mm-hmm. that they can go win. Yeah, and then you as coaches know that your kids are going to go compete their butts off, you know, for sixty minutes and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, from from the coaching side too, we've tweaked some things this year. Mm-hmm. more so than we ever have just because um, our conference has changed where it was a lot more pass heavy. Now it's getting a little bit more run heavy. Mm-hmm. So our, our defensive scheme is, is now a little bit different. Um, you know, our, we're doing some different things on offense now with our new offensive coordinator. 
uh, special teams is going to be different. So everything that we've kind of done before is going to be a lot different. And I think that's important too, because as, as things change, as teams change schematically, we have to be able to adapt with that. I think that's part of, that's part of coaching, you know, where before, like even when I was, my first season as defense coordinator was 2011, I think probably 50 to 60% of the time we just ran base and it was not, <laughs> it was basically just like, Hey, I'm just going to call this because I know it's safe. I think we can stop them here, but it's also, I'm going to make them beat us, not us beat ourselves at that point. And it was because of lack of confidence too, you know, on, on some of those things. Um, but you know, I think we've, you know, especially now we're 2023 and we have a, an established conference yep. where you know you're going to consistently play these teams every single year. You've kind of know what it is. Now we can afford to tweak some of those things where even before, like you might play these 10 teams one year, you might play two of the same teams the next year. There was no stability in recruiting because you're playing against different stuff all the time. And now that we have an established conference, yeah. you know, and we'll play a few teams out of conference as well, you know, a few games. Uh, but it, it helps you to recruit more efficiently too. Yeah. Now, hey, I know what I've seen last year. I know what they're doing. I have to recruit to stop best teams. Yeah. And, awesome. and scheme that way as well. So now I'm, I'm going to about that. to the toughest question of the podcast. So I know you haven't watched – Thanks for not watching. <laughs> it's all right. However, it's all right. there's we've had a we've had a few other players that we played here with. He got to watch a lot of film. So. I know. <laughs> one <laughs> of them being Nate Keller. The second one being Grady, right? And we asked those guys a question, and we asked them to compare themselves to all the other linebackers that ever stepped foot in this building <laughs> and played a game, right? And we asked Nate Keller and Grady said, "Who's the best linebacker that ever came through this program?" Right? So I'm sad to say neither one of them had the Richard Sherman approach, which I was very, I was very excited for one of them to be like, bro, that was me. You know what I'm saying? Well, Nate's so, grown up a lot, I think, from that side of it. If you probably yes. would have caught him about 10 years ago, he would have told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So we're going to pose that same question to you, man, yourself included. Who was the best linebacker that ever played man, in Weber history? I'll tell you, the, you know, I played with some really good ones too, you know. Uh, Suggs was a good one. Tate was a good one. I just talked to Gino actually a couple of days ago. You know, he was a good one. Um, you know, some guys that you play with. I mean, Yannick, Bo Barnes. I was gonna say Bo. You know, um, Matt Davidson, who played with with Nate. You know, was a good one too. He only played you know defense for a short period of time. Oh, man, I'm just trying to think about all the linebackers. We just had a good one that graduated a couple of years ago, Colton Cormier. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was a good player. He was smart. And, um, you know, so it it's tough. I think we've had so many good players, so many good ones. And, you know, actually had the privilege of coaching a lot of those guys. And, uh, you know, some of those guys, you know, Nate's on the record board for a few things. I think Yannick's up there, too, for for some stuff. Um you know, I, I saw Bo actually, you know, y'all remember that Southern Virginia game when that kid ran that, that tunnel screen? When Bo, Bo ran him down? And Bo, Bo, I thought Bo killed that kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know if y'all remember that. That was actually no, the first I, game ever that Coach Speakman watched. 
He he was not even down here coaching yet. He drove over and watched that game in Virginia. I do remember that. And I thought Bo killed that kid. I do remember that absolutely because I was I always uh, distribute that best play whenever he had that pick against Pembroke back. But yes, I do no. I mean that. that hit. The first thing that touched the ground was the back of that kid's helmet. I know, bro. <laughs> oh my god. Bo was a Bo was a different type of guy. <laughs> he, he's, uh, and to be honest with you, Bo was like. I was bigger than Bo. Bo looked, like, <laughs> Bo looked like he was 160 pounds, like wet. Yeah, like, yeah. it was but, funny, but he played with attitude. And he played with like ferociousness. I, I thought That's Bo was fantastic. a mechanic when I first seen him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had no football. Bo, please God, come no. on this podcast. <laughs> you know, Bo didn't look like he can do anything. Man, I'm 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 not going to commit to it. You know, I had a good career here playing, and um, you know. Still have some records to this day. A bunch of those other guys have records. Yeah. I know you're trying to you're trying to get me to say this something, man. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna think that's bullshit. Yeah, let's, let's just call it what it is. Call like it you know, uh, what, what was it? Give it to number nine. We had one uh, linebacker, and I think he's arguably the worst. I don't give a damn. Uh, he would we played versus Carson Newman, and he was getting cracked the entire game. He was like six four. Um, man, I can't think of his name right now. He was getting cracked the entire time, but we thought he was going to be the best thing known to man. I know you know who I'm talking about. I he, played with me? Yeah, he played with you. He w- We always had him rushing on the Are you talking about Tate? Was it Tate? Yeah, it was Tate. He was huge. Yeah, he, he was came in. Three. Three. I was going to say he was 6'3", 6'4". Yeah. He looked like he was about 225, 235. Yeah, he, he came off the edge, and we thought... DT. Like, DT, there you go. We thought that was D- it. That yes. was DT. We thought DT was going to be... The, the best thing since sliced bread. Mm. And I would choose Bo over DT any day. Bo, Bo was a dog, man. But Bo didn't have DT size. Hey, if you, you know had. Funny? DT going to go on IG and be like, hey, man, fuck you. <laughs> 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 but we all know, you know, DT just had the size. He yeah. didn't have the. He, did, he had the prototypical NFL look. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he he had it all. He was like looked like Tarzan. Absolutely. I had no idea. I was a freshman when he was a senior. So I didn't I didn't yeah. analyze him playing. I was always trying to learn and all that shit. But I did see him a lot. Yeah. No, I mean I've been I'm, in all honesty, DT had all the intangibles. Yeah. Bo had all the heart. Yeah. He, he took pride in every snap he was out there, and he gave it your all. And you knew you were letting Bo down if you didn't go. Yeah. DT on the other hand, if, if <laughs> <laughs> he got cracked one too you many times. Talking shit. <laughs> well, I, I think the difference is, especially with a lot of those guys, you know what I mean, that we talk about. Um, not just linebackers, but you know any any good player. You know, it's the ability is one thing, but then the work ethic and the things that you do to prepare over the summer yep. is the other thing. And then the third thing is you know the time that you put into watching film to to learn your craft. You know, there's so many people that are, that are great athletes, but lack the other two. Yep. You know, there's so many people that are great athletes that work hard over the summer, but they don't put the time into watching film, you know, or they might be really smart, watch film, understand it. And, you know, they're, they're good players, but they don't put the work in over the summer. So the, the, the special ones are the ones that can put all three of those things together. So you know? we'll kind of finish up with this one of the last questions. But what if you had a piece of advice that you would give to high school kids, because honestly, one of the things I wanted to put this together for was we want to use it as get to know who you are. Right. right. We have a big standing when it comes to this university and we're very proud of where this program has come. And, you know, it's definitely something I'm never ashamed to s- step up on, on a pedestal and say, I went here, you know, so what. And you donated money. Oh, yeah. There's a 
big sign there it says sponsored by mike brock and family no big deal oh, fuck it. so <laughs> so um that's, that's a big deal but at the same time what what piece of advice would you give to kids in high school that are coming up you know possibly looking to get you know some type of scholarship looking to play at the next level like what's something that you would say to those kids well i i think the first thing i would say is you know there can be an opportunity for pretty much everybody to go on and play college football now you know you could be you know a division one kid could be a division three guy could be a guy that goes to a prep school whatever the case may be there's plenty of opportunities for everybody now you know then it all comes back to you know your your, your academics right and understand the importance of yeah everybody says you got to get good grades yeah but what does that mean right um so, you know, we're looking at your GPA and, and that to us, you know, if you got a 2.5 GPA or you got a 3.5 GPA, you know, we're looking at that as, you know, basically your work ethic before we even get to your, your coach. You know, if you're, if you're an overachiever in the classroom, a lot of times that translates to a lot of other things in your life, AKA athletics and your ability to, you know, wanna go do the extra little things to make yourself, you know, more marketable, Yeah. you know, so understand the importance of the classroom and understand the importance of, of your work ethic. Okay. Not, not always looking for, you know, which high school program do I need to go to? That's going to give me the best exposure. Well, to me, I think that's, that's, that's not true. Um, you know, your work ethic is going to determine, you know, kind of what you get out of it. And, and by that, what I mean is you can be, the worst football player on your team and still understand how to work hard. You can be a seven-year-old kid playing little league baseball and not be very good, but still understand how to hustle and do things fast. And, you know, so my point is there is, you know, a good work ethic, you know, and understand the importance of, of having to do things to the best of your ability, not do things just to get through it. Yeah. All right. Um, so, I mean, I think if you're looking at those, you're looking at academic stuff and, and you want somebody that that has a good work ethic, that wants to work hard, that wants to be successful. If you have those things, then we can kind of teach you a lot of those the other things if you're willing to put the work in. Yeah. So don't always look for the, you know, what next high school program I can get to, you know, who's going to get me the most accolades, this, that, whatever. Find you a place, be comfortable, commit to them commit to the team, commit to the process of trying to get yourself better. That's awesome. And work hard. That's awesome. So we will now transition to our favorite segment, which is Spice of the Week, sponsored by Joe's Backyard Smokehouse. If you haven't been to Joe's, go check it out. He's got phenomenal ribs, chicken, the whole shebang. Um, you're familiar with Spice of the Week? Not really. We, we talked about it a little bit. Now you're going to have briefly. to refresh my memory here. Yeah, so, all right. I'll just kick it off. <laughs> yeah, so Spice of the Week is everybody goes through a week, right? Monday through Sunday. And majority of people, here's where the line is. You're having a normal week, right? There's typically in every single week, there's always that little something where sometimes you're having a dog shit week and it just kind of picks that thing back up just a little bit. Or you're having a phenomenal week and it's because of this thing that happened, right? And the idea is to make sure that as you're going through your week, you're looking at the little things that not everything, when you feel like everything's crumbling around you, there's always something that we can look at that picks me back up, helps me finish, get through adversity, right? So that's the idea behind Spice of the Week. So 
we'll have Keon, excuse me, Kanyezy kick it off. I mean, my, my spice of the week is, is relatively simple, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're in Florida. It's the summertime. You know, Pooch is just like me. Our kids go to the same elementary school. Uh, not having to wake up and take this kid, <laughs> <laughs> pack his lunch, doing all those little yes. tedious things, getting his uniform ready, just waking up and just being around your, your kid and just loving him, heading to the beach and just watching the sun go down with him. It was the most peaceful moment I, I can ask for as a parent. Like, you know, you feel like you're always in the hustle and bustle. You always have some place you have to be as a parent. And when it's the summertime, you just can be a parent. No ifs, and buts about it. You're not going on anyone else's rules or tangents or making sure you read for an hour a day or something like that. Now it's just, you're just my son. And we can go do whatever we want to do. Mm -hmm. So we train together. We wake up. We eat together. We grind together. It's just like bad boys for life for me. So hey, That's a good one. Yeah. I wouldn't want to follow that. <laughs> so it's on you, Boots. <laughs> That's a great one, actually. Well, I, could, I, could, I got a bunch of examples, actually. I'm just trying to figure out which one I want to use. There you go. You know, um, I kind of look at it from a personal side as well as, you know, a a business side too. And as far as my job, so I'll give you, I'll give you two of both um, or one of each two total. So I, I think on a personal side, my wife's been kind of going through some things family wise. Her, her great grandmother just passed away 106 years old. Wow. Right. About to be 107. Didn't quite make it. So she's seen a long life, but you know, seeing her family kind of go through this and, you know, of, of course everybody wants to say, well, you know, she's lived a long life and, you know, kind of that side. Um, you know, so kind of dealing with, you know, some family stuff, you know, on that side of it and, you know, you know, funeral viewing, you know, all those things, I think just, just in this week in particular. Um, but then, you know, my kids, my son is going, he's going through a fishing camp right now. Yeah. So he's doing that, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, so four days, you know, so it's kind of cool to, for him to get back and hear some of his stories, how he told me he caught, you know, he caught 20 bluegill yesterday and how he hooked into a, a, a 30 pound something or other, which is, you know, <laughs> and how he almost got it in, but it spit the bait out. So, it, you know, just seeing his excitement, yeah. you know what I mean? As far as, you know, some of the things that, um, you know, things that he's enjoying right now, just, you know, kind of going through fishing camp. Um, my daughter actually just had her tonsils taken out. So that kind of on, on top of that. But just, you know, seeing how how strong she was going through that. I mean, the doctors, the nurses, you know, we're me and my wife were kind of nervous about it at first. Right. But then, you know, she's up smiling and, and sitting on the bed and, and doing everything like in the, you know, in the in the hospital or whatever. And, you know, she comes out and she was just a trooper about it. You know, and, and you know, every night before she goes to bed, I, I tell her, I said, I love my baby. And she says, I love my dad. Nice. You know, and, and goes to sleep. I'm not crying, you know. Um, <laughs> so that's 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 the personal one. Um, but now on the schooling side over here, we we've we talked about some of the projects we're trying to get done, and uh, we were kind of at a little standstill with, you know, kind of our bleacher project and and getting some moving on some things. So we we got some good news on that early this week. We've got, you know, a contractor that's actually stepping into to help us with that project. Leo's construction. I'll give him a shout out. Nice. Um, and then Matt Yentes, who his dad was a former president here and yep. Matt used to work here. Matt works for Leo. 
He has jumped in full swing on that and working on permitting and a bunch of those things. So he's pushing our bleacher project now and trying to get the concrete stuff and all that yeah. um, situated. So, you know, we've got some things, you know, moving on that side of it. And, and, as, and as, many, as many guys as we try to recruit on a daily basis, we got another five commits this week, you know, so we're, we're starting to solidify some things. So, you know, with, with every – you know, every bad thing that happens, then, you know, something positive is always going to come out on the other end. So, like that. you know, it's uh, sometimes that's that's harder to see. But yes, here we so are. Yeah, he had like three or four in there. And all of them were pretty dope. Want me, I keep, like want me to keep going? No, I mean, uh, listen, I'm, 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 <laughs> going I'm how always good my life happy. is, baby. <laughs> you, know I mean? you, you found those little things to be happy about. A yeah. lot of people yeah. always feel like, man, life sucks. No, man, it, this right here. Yep. Where you, I tell them about you are where you're supposed to be at. Yes. And just remember that and hold true to that. Yeah. Yes. Remember the adversity part that we were talking about earlier with our with our our players and our team and stuff. Yep. I mean it it that that directly is is linked to to all those things, right? I mean it's every day. We know that. Yep. Absolutely. That's awesome, dude. I'm kind of fired up right now. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I want to play again. No, not really. <laughs> not really. Not all right. Really. So um, I'll put the cleats on. That's about it. Yeah. Put the cleats on, it just deflates, you know. So my my spice of the week this week, um, truthfully, has actually was kind of the idea of looking forward to coming back here and shooting this podcast. It's kind of lame, a little bit, I know, a little bit of a letdown because you guys came through big and I'm coming through a little bit of a lame one. But um, every time I get to come back here, I get really excited because it's a place where I think you'll agree to this. When I came in, I was a shithead and I was a moron and I really didn't understand how the world worked. And I got in a lot of shit here. I got in a lot of trouble here. I had some great moments here, and I got made fun of a lot by certain people, <laughs> right? I got <laughs> um, rightfully so, you know. And then there's there's a, a trainer in there that used to give me shit on a daily basis, and I spent five and a half years here, finished as, from what I understand, one of the last graduate assistants here. And when I got out in the world, it I excelled more than I ever thought I could. And it seemed like everything I put my hands in was it was just easy. It was easy to put it together. And going through the years and where I'm at now, looking back, I've never been more appreciative of all the shit that I got from people trying to teach me lessons here. And it's put me in a position where now I, I have a lot of comfort and you know I'm I'm always thankful, and I always love coming back here, being able to bullshit with you, being able to chit chat with the coaches, learn more about what the program's trying to do, and it it just kind of gives me a little bit of juice, you know what I'm saying? It gets me a little fired up, and I'm like, fuck yeah, dude! Like it's cool to be back here, you know? So some people look at it as, oh damn, people were doing this, but when you get through it and you see why, and all the lessons that I was able to learn, I was able to grow, I was able to develop not only as a player, but as a person and as a human being and learn morals, everything all together. So that's why coming here, shooting this one is my spice of the week. Well, I will tell you this, though. All the shit that we gave you, you deserved every single yeah, bit I of did. it. Yeah, but I did. But look at you now, man. You're good. Look, you were successful, baby. You yeah. were successful. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, a little overweight, but, you know, fuck it. It's all right. That's, that, <laughs> that means you're eating good. That's all that means. You're eating good. good. It's yeah. all good. Like, and you're not it, working so. out. but. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much uh, for tuning into this episode. And if, if you haven't already, if you don't know, right, we have Coach Pooch here, um, head coach of Weber International University Football. Um, go find these guys on all their socials. What are all the socials you guys have? 
Uh, we got Facebook, Twitter. I think some of the coaches have Instagram. We got all everything. Everything. So um, if you're looking for a program that you want to follow, say you're in the Central Florida area or wherever it is, if you're looking for maybe even a smaller program to look at, not just Division One, Florida, all that bullshit, even though they suck, um, look to this guy. Look to this program because they're doing some great things. We have a great head coach here, somebody that believes in, in really helping create better lives for all the kids that come through this program and that's something that i jump behind every single time so um like i said go follow all these guys on social media make sure you guys go to two dimes and a token on youtube hit that subscribe button you already right know. leave comments and for the last fucking time i'm going to tell you guys leave your spice of the week in the comment section we want to know what is helping you get through the week we want to know how you're feeling, right? We want you to get involved in the conversation. We want to pull you in, and we want you to be a part of it. So go in the comments section. Tell us your spice of the week. That way we can chat with you. He said that a little bit aggressively. Hell yeah, I, I, said want, I, want, I want you guys to know one last thing. Um, Weber is, is good for one thing. You're a name and not a number. So if you want to go to a place where people are going to remember your name, come here. If you want to go to a place where you're a number, go wherever you want to go. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Like and subscribe. And like and subscribe. Stay tuned in. Shit. Stay tuned in. I'm calling it right now. Weber goes undefeated. Mic drop. <laughs> Later. Appreciate it. Two dimes and a token. You make wolves. Hey there. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Two Dimes and a Token. We really appreciate your view. We hope you really enjoyed. Uh, if you are interested, we do have some social media sites that you can check out. We have Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And please, whenever you have a chance, hit that follow and subscribe button. Thank you guys, and we'll see you in the next episode.